beautiful, sunshiny morning. And when we have beautiful, sunshiny mornings in the winter, it's really cold. <laughs> I believe it's a little warmer here than it was at my house. It was zero when I got in the truck this morning. So, uh, cold, yep, yep. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are in our lives. And help us, Lord, as we look at your word today to take it to heart and be a different person when we walk out the door, more like you and more the way you want us to be. In the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, hallelujah. So can I tell you about a month ago when I read the title of this lesson? The Mighty God in Christ. I was expecting a very different lesson. I thought, well, Lord, okay. Do I know enough about the oneness to do this? Because that's where I thought it was going. And I thought, and then I started reading. And I told Brother Mitch yesterday after the lesson, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to finish the rest of John chapter 3. So that's where our text is today, is John chapter 3. We're going we're gonna to finish the book. And he said, oh, oh, did I didn't, didn't say anything about your lesson. I said, no, 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 you, don't, you didn't say a thing. <laughs> Not one word about this lesson. <laughs> but we are going to be talking about today our place in God's work. And how do we approach our place in God's work? The mighty God in Christ. John chapter 3 and verse 36 is our focus verse. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Pastor, we're talking about everlasting life. We have everlasting life. When we believe on the Son, we have everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son, shall not see life. Now, that's really plain. You, you believe or you don't, and, and you have or you don't. But the wrath of God abideth on him. That is not a place I ever want to be. I am so thankful for the opportunity that the Lord gave me a long time ago to come to him. Do you remember what it felt like to be drawn by the Spirit? And God starts just wrapping his arms around you and letting you know how much he loves you. And when he did that, he sparked that faith in us that we could believe on him and know and understand what it is that he can do for us. And then today in this lesson, is we're, we're talking about our place and how to approach our place in him. The, the text is... Um, John chapter 3, starting with verse 22 through um, the end of the chapter, verse 36. And 
The truth about God in this lesson is God is fully revealed in Jesus Christ. When we get to heaven, when we see God, we're going to see Jesus. We are going to see Jesus Christ. And then the truth for our lives today is I will respond to my place in the kingdom, building with humility. So in verse 22, it says, after these things, what things? Well, that was Nicodemus coming to Jesus and finding out that he needed to be born again and all about what is that? What do you mean? And we may have questions about that today ourselves. We may wonder, well, born again, what's that? Well, we could ask Sister Charlotte what that is, being born again. Because we have the opportunity to experience it. And if we haven't, because I'm thinking that there might be somebody listening to this some other time, and if you haven't experienced being born again, it's crucial. It's so important to be born again because we cannot be like him if we are not born again. If you could have lunch with one person, past or present, who would that be? And what made that person great? Anybody? Who do you want to have lunch with? Sister Esther. I'm sorry? Pastor Swack. And what made that person great in your life? Awesome. Awesome. Go back and have lunch. Yeah. That would be a thank you session. Yes. Yes. Brother Levi. In the Bible, it would be Paul. And Teddy Roosevelt for, for our, our history. Okay. And, and what made those... Well, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious what made Paul great. Um, <laughs> but what do, you, what do you see in Teddy Roosevelt that would be? Consistency and accomplishments. All right. Anyone else? Favorite person that you'd love to have lunch with? Sister Sherry. Sister French. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes. Yes. Sharing the word. Sharing the word. We can have and we have, live in a society where people are put way up here. I mean us choosing who we would like to because we esteem them. And, and we all have people in our lives that we put up here. I can tell you that I would love to be in St. Louis one more time with my mom and go to Steak and Shake. 
It was her favorite place to eat. <laughs> and um, it's not the same as it was years ago, but it, it you know, you, you have these people that you put up, and then in society we have, we have athletes, we have actors, we have all of these people that are put way up on pedestals. And, and they are in a place that they, well, most, pe most of them don't want to let go of it. If you're into sports, I don't know how much you're into sports now for the mic, but um, if, you, if you're into, and I'm not much into sports, but whoever is a sports fan, now Brother Churchill was here, he would know exactly what we were talking about. Because when you are important in sports and you can make and put a pass down the field and it can be caught, or you are really good at running through and you're good at catching, or you make more baskets than anyone and you can retrieve off of the backboard. And, and all, all of these, whatever makes someone famous, how many times have we seen where they don't want to let go of this? How many quarterbacks didn't retire when they needed to? And the end of their career is not the high. Because they don't walk away when they need to. They don't let go of the position they're in. And dare I say, sorry, but it was mentioned in the lesson, so I'm going to mention it. Dare, dare I say that we have a, a political structure, that there are way too many politicians that don't leave when they need to. And I think I'll just leave it right there. If you all could see the faces I'm looking at. <laughs> and, and I don't want to belittle the leaders of our country because the word says we're supposed to pray for them. But there are so many that don't let go when they need to let go. Have you read, uh, I haven't read this book, but have any of you read The Virtues of War by Stephen Pressfield? No. I, it's, it's a book about Alexander the Great, who conquered the known world. And he was a powerful leader. And in this book, he came upon a philosopher who was also very important. And it was said that this man conquered the world, speaking of Alexander the Great. What have you done? And the philosopher replied, I have conquered the need to conquer the world. Because we can be in a place in our natural lives 
or in our spiritual lives where we are in conquer mode. So you say, oh, all of that, what does that have to do with this lesson? Well, in verse 22, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And if you go over to 4, chapter 4, verse 2, it wasn't Jesus that baptized, it was his disciples. And I did a little bit of study on this because I was curious about the baptism and what I could find in research and in commentaries that I read is that the baptism that the disciples were baptizing with was the same baptism or so much the same as the baptism of John. So they were being, the disciples were baptizing their followers into repentance or an acknowledgement of God and in a place of changing their lives and not the baptism that we know, lest we get confused. I don't want to, don't want to bring any confusion. And so I was reading that, and, and John also was baptizing. So this is one point in time where Jesus and his disciples and John and his disciples were in the same place, and they were both baptizing. Now, we know and have read in, in Luke, it talks about the birth of John and how his birth was announced by an angel. Very similar, same angel. Gabriel met Zacharias in the temple when he was there to do the tasks of the day. He was there to offer the incense. And he was by himself in the holy place. And an angel probably scared him out of his wits. <laughs> and said, Zacharias, Elizabeth is going to have a child. What? I don't think that's possible. And really, he questioned the angel, said, really? And he said, yes, it's going to happen. And his name is going to be John. And that was a big deal. Because everyone around them that knew Zacharias and Elizabeth said, what? John, on naming day, well, there's nobody in your family named John. Not even a name like John has been used in your family because they had names that passed down. That's why you can see the same name over and over in Scripture, and you have to look at that, at least I do. I have to look at that and say, well, which one are they talking about? Are you sure that's the same guy? No, it can't be the same guy. It's the wrong. I mean, history has happened. He can't be alive anymore. But so that, that it's not supposed to be John. And Zacharias's question of Gabriel, Gabriel said, you will not say one more word until you name your son. 
and Isaiah chapter 40 and Malachi chapter 3 talked about that John had one purpose. He was to announce the Messiah. That's it. And we look at this scripture, and in, in right here in our context, in, in the text that we're looking at in John chapter 3, is that this is the decrease, right here, this point, is the decrease in John's ministry. John started telling his disciples, that's the man you need to follow. And from that point on, the number of disciples that John had decreased. And Jesus and his ministry and the people that were following him increased. The great defection. How do we handle things like that? Do you find it difficult to see others succeed when you are struggling? Why or why not? Just think about that. In your ministry... And you look at me and you say, what? I, I don't have a ministry. Well, uh, yes, you do. Everyone here has a purpose. God saved each and every one of us for a specific purpose. And John, in a very short time, fulfilled his purpose. He baptized Jesus. He said that this is the Messiah. This is the greater one. And from this point, I must decrease. And he must increase. We don't often like the fact that numbers fluctuate. I mean, I, I know that there's an attendance sheet. Brother Merle does such a good job keeping an attendance sheet. And I have, have, have heard, I've been close enough in proximity, and when Pastor walks up to Brother Merle, or they're, they're up here, and, and, and there's a, there is an exchange of a number. And we have a record of who attends here. And if those names change, or there are a lot of blank spots in a row on that sheet, it makes us feel bad. Now, 
I can remember so many people. And my, my dad and I were talking about this the other day. It's like, where is this one? And where is that one? And, and I know that right now I am talking about people that may or may not be in the church anymore. And, and we want them all back in the church. But numbers fluctuate. And, and we can get caught up in the conquering, if I can use that word, of the growth and the projection of our whatever we're doing for God. I want to be the best at this. And we keep striving to be the best. And it's not that we shouldn't keep striving. But when we have accomplished our purpose, God wants us to be humble enough, as John was, to let someone else increase and be able to fulfill their purpose. In God. Jesus wants us to remember our one purpose that never changes. Our one purpose that will never change. And it didn't change for John either, even when he was in jail. He still wanted to know what God was doing. And, and, and question in his mind, maybe, I don't, I don't really know what was the state of mind for John when he sent his disciple to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? Maybe he was discouraged possibly he was well he was jailed because he confronted Herod about marrying his brother's wife and that was wrong and John was all about pointing out that's wrong His whole ministry was about directing people to repentance and directing people to Jesus. And that is our job. No matter what other aspects God asks us to do, we always have this one job, to point people to Jesus. And in pointing them to Jesus, it's so important that we realize that we are just the pointing, the growth comes from God. The increase, the change in lives happens because of the mighty God in Christ Jesus, the mighty God in Christ Jesus. 
John did not have a problem stepping back and letting Jesus take the forefront. And in this text is where that happened. It's interesting that the other Gospels go into Herod's jailing of John and his imprisonment and the fact that Herodias asks, well, tells her daughter after the dance that pleased everyone that, hey, I can have whatever. Hey, Mom, what should I do? What, 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 do, what do we want? And Herodias said, I want John's head. Horrid. Horrid. And because a man of God pointed out that that was wrong. You're living wrong. God puts us all in positions of roles and responsibilities. We have an awesome pastor and pastor's wife, and I know that October is past just a little ways, but all year long we need to honor this couple because they have given their lives for, what, 30-some-odd years here? 33 years of absolute dedication And, and the only thing I know about that is, is I, I became, you know, that the, the responsibility in that of being in, in that position is that I uh, became a preacher's kid at 13, about a month after I got the Holy Ghost. Because God had a change in my life. And so... What I understand about being a pastor and a pastor's wife is what I watched my mom and dad do and, and the dedication that they had. But God puts each and every one of us into a role in the body of Christ. We all have a position that he wants us to work in. And there does come a time in our lives... And who knows when God directs us that, that, that our role may change. I can say that I would know and understand if pastor said, Sister Nichols, I, I think that you need to do something else besides what you're doing right now. And I would have to change my role. And Maybe, possibly, the hard part of that would be letting go of what I felt like was my position. But the example of John does not follow that. that that's not the example we get from John. John did not have a problem with God saying, okay, you did your job, you did the most important thing. And now just point people to me. 
just do this one thing. Now, recently we had a wedding down here, and many of us went, not all of us, but if you've ever been at a wedding, the most important people at the wedding are the bride and the groom. Oh, and the caterer, yes, but... But when you're in that ceremony, no one else there should be taking the spotlight. Now, I've heard about, about really important weddings, and, 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 and all of these important people are showing up. And, and there's commentary from someone. You can read about it in books. And if you watched a, a, a documentary about, about some important wedding, if you're, if you're into royalty, you would, and everybody is, everybody's named as they walk in. And, and that's what society, that's how it used to be in society. Everyone was announced and named as they walked in. But in a wedding, no one is supposed to be more important than the bride and the groom. So don't dress better than them. Don't dress in white. There's protocol. And John found himself and was thought of as the friend of the bridegroom. We would call that the best man. And the best man has one job other than, you know, bringing the, you know, making sure that everything, you know, happens right. And, and yeah, forget about the party before the wedding and all of that, those things that Western society has put into it. But the bride, the friend of the groom, has, has an important task after the wedding to announce this and make a statement. And John's job was to point out Jesus. Just like the friend of the bridegroom. John revealed Jesus' origin. He let the world know that this is the man that was born of God. They, they both had miraculous births. Neither one of them should have existed. You're talking about medical science. Neither one of them should have existed. John should have never been born. Elizabeth was too old to have children. But she had John. And when she was six months pregnant, Mary, who had never known a man, she was betrothed. 
but shouldn't be expecting. It's impossible. And Mary went to Elizabeth and knew instantly, God revealed to her instantly that you are the mother of our Messiah. And John leaped, the scripture says, leaped in his mother's womb when Mary walked into Elizabeth's presence. So before John was ever born, he knew. You say, what? Oh, no, he knew God was performing a miracle and that his cousin was going to be greater than himself. If you were to listen to Jesus talk about John, what would you hear? You would hear Jesus say that there has never been, never been a prophet like John. And John's ministry was just this long. The reason he came to serve God was just this long. But he did what God wanted him to do. And he willingly stepped back. And Jesus would also say that the least in the kingdom of God, the least that believe in me, the least of us is greater than John. Now that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? I'm, he's the greatest prophet that ever was. We're talking Elijah. Called fire down from heaven. To burn up a sacrifice that should have never burned. Burn the rocks and the dirt. That was fire from heaven. Elisha performed miracles. Pastor, you mentioned the axe head that floated after, through a stick in the water to save a man from having to, to buy another axe head because that was borrowed. And Elijah's bones, he's dead and buried, and a man is thrown into his grave that is dead <laughs> and comes walking out moments later because his body touched the bones of Elisha. Prophets. I'm sure many of you could name other prophets that were greater than those two, but those two come 
way up here in our estimation. But John saying that one thing and telling his disciples that one thing that this is the man, he's greater than I am. I shouldn't even untie his shoes. He's greater and say, you need to go follow him and allow his numbers to go away. And think about the influence of John's short ministry. If you go into Paul's life and Paul's ministry, you find out that when he goes to Ephesus, he finds a couple of men who are talking about John. This is 20-some-odd years later, still talking about John. Still living the life that John set them on, that path that John set them on. And they were asked, well, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, somehow in their lives, they missed that you need to go follow him. Where were they when that announcement was made? I don't know. But John still had influence. And we started this lesson today saying, well, who would I want to have lunch with and why? Because people have influenced our lives. And John influenced the lives that he was around. And the, the point of this lesson, and, and I keep wandering around it, and I hope that I can bring it to a point here, is the purpose of this lesson is that God asks us to do things. And when we have fulfilled that purpose, he wants us to be willing to step aside in humility and say, okay, it's time for you to shine. It's time for you to do this. A good leader, they say, is supposed to work themselves out of a job. To train people up around them that they no longer have a job to do. Because everyone around them is doing the work. But it takes, well, it takes humility. It takes willingness to be able to step aside. And God wants us to do his work, whatever it is, until he says that it's time for this one to shine. Personally, I've put a lot of thought into what, 
What's going to happen when I decide that I'm, I'm not going to do the job that I have anymore? I've been there almost 20 years. And many of you have been in a place like that, maybe. What, 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 are, what, what, are, what is this? I mean, I, I guess I just kind of, my, my job is, you know, like, like my baby. My baby. And, and you get attached to what you're doing. If you love what you're doing, you get attached to it. And it's not always easy to let go and step aside. Because we own things. And you can apply it however you want to apply it. But the same thing happens in the spiritual. And I could say, well, I don't do anything really important. And maybe I can feel that I don't do anything really important. But God wants me to be willing to do whatever it is that he wants me to do. And he wants each and every one of you to be the same. And we have to approach our role in the kingdom of God with humility. Because if we get a big head... We're not going to have the right attitude. Everlasting life comes from believing in Jesus. And John knew that those that were following him would need to turn to Jesus. And so this important, this Mighty God in Christ. We know the Christ, the mighty God. And we can, we can look at this word and we can think of all kinds of descriptors that describe this mighty God. And I want to spend my life making sure that people are looking at him. And not looking at me. Because I fail. I make mistakes. If you watch closely, talk to Amy. She can tell you. Maybe the boys would tell you more. I don't know. But there is this importance of growing people around us and pointing them to him and not to us. I will believe in him. I will believe in him. One more question. And we don't need to answer it out loud. But what last words would you like to be known for?
And then think about why those words. Do you want to be uh, Michael Jordan of the world? Do you want to be a Brett Favre or I don't know. I can that that tells you exactly how much I know about sports, okay? <laughs> do you want to be a great pitcher? Do you want to be do you want to be this or you want to be that or or the greatest at this? What last words do you want people to say about you? They say that we should write our epitaph before we pass to make sure that. And then I've heard it say, what, what is in that dash? What in our lives is in that dash, that born on this date dash, passed on this date? What are people going to say about us? I want them to say that she pointed people to Jesus. She was as much like Jesus as she could be. Because then I have the right attitude. Then I'm in a place that I'm willing to do whatever God says. Even if it's, he says, it's time to step back. It's time to let this one do it. Teach this one how to do that. Show them how to do this so that they can shine and be in the same attitude as John. Let's get ready to worship. I'm looking forward to sharing in worship with each and every one of you. God bless you.